Father, we stand here in your presence this morning for one reason and one reason only, because of the Lamb of God who gave his life for our sins, the sins of the whole world. We thank you for that, for without it, we have no right, we have no standing before you because of our sin. And so this morning we give thanks. We stand here this morning and we sing and we pray because we are grateful for what you have done for us. I pray that that will be reflected in our lives. I pray that it would not be just words, but that it would be the actions of our lives, the reality of our every day. We thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ who cleanses our hearts from sin. And Father, may we see Jesus here this morning. We pray that your spirit would be actively at work in our hearts, opening the eyes of our understanding as we see your truth. For his sake we pray, amen. Thanks, folks. Have a seat. At some point in your lives, you have no doubt heard the phrase, this changes everything. You've probably heard it having to do with business or technology or innovation of some kind. I, uh, I wasn't around then. I don't know if some of you guys were around or not. But when Thomas Edison finally, after 10,000 tries, perfected that light bulb, I'm sure somebody at some point said, well, this changes everything. When whoever it was invented the combustion engine, the gas-powered engine, so we didn't have to hitch up the wagon every time we wanted to go to town. This changes everything. More recently, it's technological when we say that, right? I can remember uh, about 26 years ago, I bought my first computer. And the monitor was about 16 inches deep. And the screen had a diagonal of about 11 inches. It weighed 312 pounds. And that was just the monitor. The actual computer was a tower that was about this tall and this deep and this thick and weighed another 89 pounds that had to sit within three feet of the other part. And when I bought it, I didn't know anything about computers. I still know very, very little. But I talked to a guy who knew a lot about computers, and I said, should I get it or shouldn't I? And he looked me in the eye. i got to tell him this. I, I, I will be in the area where I could see him next week. I should track him down and tell him this. He looked me in the eye and he said, Mike, if you buy this computer, you will never need another computer. <laughs> you will never fill up this hard drive. Well, you know what? I carry this in my pocket a lot, and it literally has about 2,000 times more memory in it than that 
800-pound behemoth had in it. And when whoever figured this out, hey, look, I'm getting an email. (laughs) Whoever invented this, someone at some point probably said, this changes everything. That's really what we've been talking about the past 10 weeks, if you've been here with us, as we have walked through the book of Colossians. Because Paul's theme is our union with Christ, our connection, our relationship with Christ. For those of us who are Christ followers, for those of us who have trusted Christ as our Savior, recognized our sin, realized our inability to save ourselves, and placed ourselves in His care, have surrendered our lives to Him for salvation, Paul says, this changes everything. It should affect every area of your life, everything that you say, everything that you do, and all of your relationships. That's what Tim has been talking about the last two weeks from chapter 3. This changes all of our relationships, how we interact, those of us that are married with our spouses, Those of us who have children, how it relates to our, how we relate to our children, how we relate to our coworkers, to our employers, to our friends, to our neighbors, it changes all of that. In Colossians 3.14, which was one of the verses Tim referred to two weeks ago, Paul says, above all these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. I'm guessing that at some point in one of your relationships or another, in one part of your life or another, you have had disharmony. You've had disunity. Either with the people you employ or the people you work with or the people you live beside or the people you live with. And whenever there is disharmony, there is one root problem of that, and that is a lack of love. Because love is what binds us together in perfect harmony. But what we realize when we think about this whole theme of the book of Colossians, and as we think about our relationships, is that in order for us to do this, we need to be all in. We need to be all in. If you spend very much time reading the New Testament, you're going to notice something. And you know what you'll notice if you're looking for it? You will notice that there is nowhere in the New Testament where there's any kind of casual Christianity, any kind of a partial following of Jesus. If you look at the disciples... If you look at the apostles as they later move out and plant churches and spread the gospel, if you look at all of the people who are following Jesus, there's no part-time followers of Christ. And Jesus was very clear. If you're going to follow me, you need to do it all the way. You need to be all in. By the way, I'm thankful that Jesus was all in. Aren't you? Jesus could have come to this earth and he could have said, 
you know, I'm going to come and I'm going to teach. I might even let them arrest me, but the cross, I don't think I'm feeling it. I don't think I'm going to do that. You know, I'll, I'll, te- I'll tell them what they should do. Jesus was all in. He went to the cross. They arrested him. They abused him. They mistreated him. They falsely accused him, and they killed him. And he allowed it to happen, by the way. For us, he was, if we could say this, I don't know how correct theologically it is, but the idea is there, Jesus was all in for you, for your salvation. In fact, I'm grateful every day that the Father is all in on me. It's not that the Father says, listen, I am here for you. I will walk with you through your difficulty. I will comfort you. I will strengthen you. I will guide you from Monday to Wednesday, 7.30 a.m. to 8 p.m. Other than that, you're on your own. These are my hours, right? No, the Father is all in. He is there for us. He is walking with us. He never leaves us. His mercy is long-lasting. His grace is complete. He is faithful to us. And that is, what is, that is what he is calling us to. And that's what we're seeing here in this book of Colossians. So this morning we want to look at a few verses in Colossians chapter 4 and we want to talk about what our relationship with lost people looks like. We're continuing this conversation about relationships. And what we realize as we look at this passage is it is motivated by the same thing that all of our other relationships are motivated by and that is love. Because we are in Christ, we share the gospel with those who are lost because we love them, because we care about what happens to them. I want you to see here that Paul talks to us about how we prepare ourselves to share Christ with other people. I know that a lot of you probably have questions, you know, how do I do this? I I don't know if I can do this. What's the process? How do I do it? And Paul tells us this in these verses. And so we're going to look down through briefly a few instructions that he has for us. The first one is in Colossians 4, verse 2, if you're following along in your Bibles. And the first instruction is this, pray faithfully. Paul says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Let me just say this, that to share the gospel with lost people, we have to start with prayer. And I want you to notice how we are to pray. What does he say there? He says, I want you to pray steadfastly, continue steadfastly. That means persistently, constantly, keep going. If I was to poll the group here this morning, probably almost everybody here would say, oh, I pray, but how do we pray? And how much do we pray? Paul says we need to do it continuously, we need to do it persistently, And notice also that he says we need to be watchful in it with thanksgiving. Am I the only one here or what that sometimes when you pray your mind drifts? Sometimes I bow my head and I I pray or I'm doing something and I pray and five minutes later I'm, I'm like, how did I get here? And Paul says when we pray, we need to be watchful in it. That is, we need to be staying awake 
need to be watchful in it, but with thanksgiving. When our minds drift and when we're not careful and consistent in our praying, we forget what God has done for us. And if we don't have a constant grasp on what God has done for us, we will not be ready to share the gospel with people who need it. That's one of the motivating factors. I know what God has done for me. I am thankful for the way that God has worked in my life, and I want to share that with other people. And if we're not constantly, consistently praying and thinking about what God has done for us, we won't be motivated to share the gospel. Look at the second thing. It's in the first part of verse 3. We're going to read these verses just little bits at a time. And that is that we need to pray for each other. Verse 3 says, At the same time, pray also for us. Pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Why does that matter? Well, there's a few specifics that we're going to look at in a minute. But I want to think about it generally for a moment this morning. And that is this, that our relationships with each other matter to the gospel. A few months ago, we were working our way through the book of John, and if you were here for that, you may remember us saying multiple times that everything that happened in John 13 and 14 and 15 and 16 and 17 all happened on that one night, the last night before Jesus was arrested and crucified. And in chapter 13, in verse 35 of John, he says, This is how people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So there's a link between how we care about each other and how we feel about each other and our ability to share the gospel. And I want to say it this way. If you don't love the church, you can't love the world. Okay? If you don't love the church, you can't love the world. Tim talked about it a couple of weeks ago that we need to love the body. We need to love the bride of Christ. Christ loves the church, and we need to love the church. We can't be at disunity and disharmony here as a family of believers and expect to go out there and tell people the gospel. If you don't love the church, you can't love the world. And so we need to pray for each other, Paul says. Pray for our lives, our walk with God, our relationships with each other. Now he mentions a couple of specifics we pray for. Here's the the third instruction. Pray for opportunities. In the next little phrase of verse 3, he says, At the same time, pray also for us. And he says that God may open us a door for the word. Ask God for the opportunity to share the truth with someone. Sometimes when I have this conversation with people about sharing the gospel with with those that are lost, with people that are far from Christ, I've had a lot of people say, well, I never get the chance to. I never have the opportunity. Nobody ever asks me any questions. Nobody ever... We need to pray for opportunities. We need to ask God to give us the chance to 
to share the truth with someone. I think we should pray specifically. I think I've told you before, I have a little notebook that I keep with my Bible that I write in when I'm, when I'm reading Scripture every day, just make little notes and reminders to myself and things that I learn and things that I'm thinking about. And in the back, I have a list. I have a list of guys that are far from God that I pray for every day, and I pray that God will give me the opportunity. I pray for them by name. Pray for people in your life by name who do not know God. Family members, co-workers, friends, whoever. And pray for God's working in the hearts of people, that, they will, that he will open their eyes to the truth. Here's the next one. He says, pray for clarity. The last part of verse 3 and the first part of verse 4. To declare the mystery of Christ on which I am on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. And I want you to notice two words in that little section of verses. I want you to notice the word declare and the word speak. The word declare literally means to utter words. And I think that what Paul is telling us here is this, that it's great, to live in front of people. It's great to be a good testimony. It's great to be consistent in the way that you live and talk and act. We need to do that to honor God. And God will use that sometimes to catch people's attention and to help them to see that there's another way to live. But ultimately, we have to speak the truth to people. It's not enough just to live the Christian life in front of people. We need to tell them about the truth too. In Romans chapter 10, Paul says that faith comes from hearing the word of God. And he goes on to say, how are people going to believe unless they hear? And how are they going to hear unless they, does anybody else know that verse? How are they going to hear unless someone tells them? God wants you to be a consistent testimony of His grace to the people you work with every day, to the people you live with every day. Absolutely. But at some point, He is going to give you the opportunity to speak the truth to them that they might believe. And we need to be willing to do that. I want you to see the next instruction Paul gives us. It's in verse 5, and it's this, walk wisely. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. The word walk really means just to conduct our lives. We need to live in a way that's honoring to God. I guess that's probably logical, and we talk about that a lot. But I want you to notice that he says we need to walk wisely toward outsiders. He doesn't just say walk wisely in front of outsiders or around outsiders, but he says towards outsiders. And that literally means for reason of or in contact with. And I think what Paul is saying is this. We need to not just live with lost people. We need to live for lost people. 
Okay, you're living with lost people either in your home or your community or your job because there's lost people in the world and you're in the world. You're living with them. But Paul is saying more more than that, you need to live for them. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time that you made a decision that cost you something but benefited someone who didn't know Christ. That's walking wisely toward outsiders. This costs me something. This is not convenient. But I'm going to do it for the sake of the person that doesn't know God. It may cost you something financially. It may be you may be helping someone with money or you may be it may cost you something in regard to time. But you are making decisions. You are living in ways that impact the lost people that are around you, even when it costs you something. Notice he says we need to do that and make the best use of the time. That literally means pay the price. The old King James said redeeming the time. Buying it back, paying the price. Why do we need to do that? Why do you suppose that we need to make the best use of the time that we have to share Christ with people who are lost? Anything come to your mind? Anybody know? Can you think? Why is that important? It's important because time is fleeting. Guys, I don't know if you knew this. But this world isn't going to last forever. In fact, the scripture tells us that Christ could come back anytime. The question is not if Christ is coming back, it's when. And we don't know when. And when he does, those opportunities will be gone because we will be gone when Christ takes us to be with himself. And so Paul says, make the best use of this time. We don't know. I don't know, probably some of you saw the the story in the news this week from Oregon, out of Oregon. And there was a family, seven people, two moms that were related, part of the same family. One mom had three little kids. One mom had two kids. They were all together in an SUV, and they were going on a family vacation. And as they were driving down the highway a few hours from their home toward their destination, a vehicle in the other lane swerved into their lane and hit them head on. And both of those moms and all five of their children were instantly killed. Family vacation to death in moments. We have the love of Christ. We need to make the best use of the time that God gives us because we don't know how much more we have. Here's the last, or the next instruction. Speak graciously in the first part of verse 6. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. We pray for opportunities and then we take them and we graciously share truth. We don't ram it down people's throats, certainly, but we want them to know the truth. 
We do that because we remember what Jesus did for us in his grace in our lives. And then lastly, in the last part of verse 6, he says, answer confidently so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So that you may know. And some of you may be thinking, that's just it, Mike. I don't know. (laughs) I can't answer confidently because I don't know what I should say. I'm scared to share the truth with somebody because I don't want to mess it up. I don't want to screw it up. Paul says, you can know. You can know how to answer confidently. You need to learn. You need to mature in your faith so that you can share it with other people. You know how you learn to answer confidently about your faith with people who don't know God? You know how you learn that? The same way you've learned everything else that you do in your life. Did you know that at one point, did you remember, for some of you it's a little bit longer than others, but there was a point in your life when you didn't know what 2 plus 2 was. Right? There was a point in your life when you didn't know how to brush your teeth. When you didn't know how to ride a bike. When you didn't know how to drive a car. When you didn't know how to do your job that you go to work and do every day. Now, how did you get to that place? You learned, you practiced, you thought about it, you studied it, and then what did you do? I remember when we were getting Gavin on his bike to ride, eventually I just said, (laughs) you got to do it, (laughs) you got to go, you got to try it. And the same is true with our faith, friends, we've got to learn, we've got to grow. That's why we come here and we spend half of our time together talking about the Scripture so that you can learn, so that you can know, so you can answer confidently. It's why we have small groups. It's why we have LTGs. It's why we have classes so that you can learn and answer confidently. Because you are in Christ, you must share the gospel with those who are lost. That responsibility is for all of us. It's not just for pastors. It's not just for the elders or group leaders. It's for everyone. If you're part of the kingdom, you share the message of the kingdom. And why wouldn't you? Because you're grateful for it, right? Are you grateful for what God has done for you? you grateful for the change in your life, for the fact that you have an eternity in heaven that is secured for you because of what Jesus has done? Don't you want other people to know that? See, that's why we share the truth, because of our love for people who are lost. Sometimes God gives us random encounters. You may have had one. I've had some. A random encounter with a stranger, somebody I've never laid eyes on before, and God gives me the opportunity to share truth with them. Sometimes that happens. Happened to Tim and I on the plane back from convention last year or two years ago, last year. Plunked down on the plane, guy beside me, I had no idea who he was, never met him before. We started talking, and we had the chance to share Christ with him. That happens. But you know what happens a lot more? God gives you a chance to share the gospel, the truth of Jesus and his grace with somebody that you know, somebody that you love, somebody that you care about. 
And loving means wanting the best for another person. And do you know what is best for someone who is lost? The grace and mercy and love of Jesus Christ. Well, what if they don't want to hear it? What if they make fun of me? What if they reject me? That's between that person and God. But because I love people, because I care about their souls and their eternities, I'm going to share truth. And I, look, guys, I don't always know exactly what to say. I can't always remember everything I want to share. I still have those times where afterwards I'm like, oh, man, why didn't I say that? I still have those times. But do you know what I have as a Christ follower? Because of my union with Christ, that's what we're talking about in Colossians. Do you know what I have? I have the promise that God goes with me. I am not alone. And I am going to trust that he will walk with me into these opportunities to share his love with other people. I want you to just pause for a minute today as we close our service. I want you to listen to the song Joe and Tyra are going to sing for us. And I want as they sing and as you think, I want you to pray for an opportunity. Ask God to bring someone to your mind that needs to know the love of Christ and ask him to help you and thank him for the promise that he goes with us. Because we're getting to the end of the book of Colossians, I think this is a culmination of what Paul has been trying to tell us. Because of our union with Christ, it matters who we are. It matters how we think. It matters how we live. It matters how we relate to other people. The culmination of that is that we share who we are and what Christ has done with us, for us, with other people. And saving and changing people is God's work. There's no question. But he wants to use us to do it. Those seven things that we talked about, I don't know if anybody noticed it, was writing them down or paying attention, but those seven things, the first four were pray. Pray, 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 then go and speak. That's what we need to be doing, guys. We need to be praying and asking for God's work. Asking for God's changing lives, opening eyes, showing people the truth. And then we need to go and do what he's asking us to do. Let's pray. Father, you have done so much for us, for those of us that are yours. You have done so much for us. Father, give us the courage to share it with others. Give us the opportunities. We pray persistently for this. We pray for each other. Lord, guard our relationships with each other that we may be who you want us to be together. And then give us the opportunities to share. Give us the words to speak that we might do with clarity. We might be able to answer confidently because we have walked in your word and you have sown the truth in our hearts. Give us the courage to share it with others. Thank you for this passage. Thank you for this moment and time to be together. I pray that we will be encouraged this morning to move out into this community and do the work that you have called us to do. In Christ's name, amen. Have a good week, folks.